Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning. Our scripture this morning on the third Sunday of Easter is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 36 to 48. Our message, Touch and See. And while they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My father was convinced that his dad was haunting the house we lived in when I was young. Pop had a strong connection to my sister Amy, and there were unexplained noises and events that made him believe he was there in spirit form anyway. One night he said out loud, Pop, Amy is fine. You don't need to look out for her. You can go now. He didn't hear anything after that, so he felt he had done the trick. He's not the only one to believe in ghosts. Believing that the spirits of people who are no longer physically with us, ones who have died, still roam the earth and interact with real life in some mysterious way. Just take a look at all the shows dedicated to tracking down ghosts and helping them move on. So many shows with people who can talk to the dead and be that medium between the spirit and the earthly realms. We don't talk about ghosts too much in church. It's kind of a taboo subject for many reasons. I mean, is it Christian to talk about, let alone believe in ghosts? I'm sure, though, that if people were honest and I asked for a show of hands, there would be more people who do believe in ghosts in some way, shape, or form than would say, absolutely not. What does the Bible say about ghosts? What should we believe in? What does it have to do with the resurrection? How will belief or unbelief in ghosts impact our faith? Now, that's a good question. In our passage today, we are reliving the appearance of Jesus to his disciples just after the resurrection. This is the same story we looked at last week in John. Luke is telling it a bit differently, but it is the same encounter. So why is it different? 
Well, John had a different audience in mind when he was writing and focused on Jesus' divinity, that he is God in the flesh revealed to the world. He focuses on his miracles and actions, those signs and wonders, so to speak, to prove Jesus is God in the flesh. Luke, however, is writing a more historical account and writes with a focus of revealing Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost. There are many similarities. In both accounts, Jesus just suddenly appears in the room with the disciples. His first words are, peace be with you. He shows them his hands and his side. The disciples don't really believe it's him at first, but after they see the evidence, they do. Their eyes are opened. They are really happy once they realize he is Jesus. Jesus talks primarily about their mission of bringing the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins to the world. There are definite differences as well. In Luke, we don't hear anything specific about Thomas. They all seem to be doubters. Even the ones walking to Emmaus in Luke seem to have been divinely obstructed from seeing, remember that can mean physical sight or an awareness or understanding, that it was Jesus. Theologians have suggested that Christ's resurrected body looked physically different from his pre-crucifixion body, mostly because over and over those closest to him don't recognize him when they first see him after the resurrection. But no one really knows. And in Luke, Jesus seems to spend an inordinate amount of time proving he is a real human being with a real body. It really grabbed my attention When Luke tells us they thought he was a ghost, and Jesus says, it's me, just me. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. He doesn't say, there's no such thing as ghosts. He says, I am not a ghost. And he does the same thing in Matthew 14, the walking on the water scene. The disciples believe he is a ghost. They say that, it is a ghost. And Jesus says, take heart, it's me, don't be afraid. He never says, what are you talking about? Ghosts don't exist. He just simply tells them, no, I'm not a ghost. It's me, Jesus, God in the flesh with a real human body. So I hear what you're thinking. Maybe ghosts do exist, right? Well, although this isn't meant to be a lesson on whether ghosts exist or not, I do want to clarify what it means when Jesus tells them he is not a ghost. First, we need to take a look at what people believed about ghosts when Christ was walking the earth. And maybe you've heard before that the Sadducees, some of the religious leaders, did not believe that there was any sort of life after death. When you died, you were gone, end of story. All that mattered was this life. And as we can see in the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, Some believed that those who followed the law and were faithful went to an afterlife in the care of Abraham, and those who did not went to a place of torment. Certainly, we know them today as heaven and hell. However, no matter what they believed about an afterlife, each group of people believed in demons, evil beings that inhabited the earth in many different ways, In all cases, except one, which I'll share in a moment, anytime a ghost, apparition, or spirit, except the Holy Spirit, of course, was mentioned, 
It was believed that it was a demon who had taken on the form or shape of a formerly living human being and was trying to fool the living in some way. It was never thought to be the actual soul or spirit of a human being. An apparition or shade was an evil being using any means possible to lead real people into believing something false or down a path to destruction, away from their true self and away from God. The only time this is not the case and the real spirit of a now dead human being is ever seen in the Bible is in 1 Samuel 28. When King Saul goes to a medium to have her bring up the spirit of Samuel, mind you, he had outlawed mediums since it was against the law of God and had declared all mediums should be put to death. But he is desperate to speak to Samuel and uses any means possible to do so. And by the biblical account, it is the true spirit of Samuel that comes up, not an apparition or shade. Even the medium, though, is surprised that Samuel actually arises among them, and Samuel is so angry that he brings a message of doom and gloom direct from God for Saul. This is the only account of a ghost or spiritual appearance that is the actual spirit of the human person. And we are led to believe this happens only because God allows it. So Saul gets the message loud and clear that he is doomed for destruction. And I say all this so that we can have a clear picture of what the disciples were thinking when they said, it's a ghost. They are not thinking it's the spirit of Jesus coming to them after death, but that an evil spirit has taken his form and is trying to trick them. That's why they are terrified. So in order to prove to them that he is the resurrected Jesus, brought fully back to life, body and all, he needs to show them he is not a ghost or a demon. Ghosts, and other apparitions don't have a solid physical body. You can't touch them. There's nothing solid about them. Touch me and see, he says, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. That's part one of the proof that he is Jesus in the flesh and not some demonic apparition. But they weren't fully convinced, so Jesus moves on to part two. Ghosts can't eat either. You can't have normal human bodily function without a real body. Have you anything here to eat? And he takes a piece of fish and eats it in their presence. Now they can believe it is Jesus, resurrected from the dead, a living, breathing human being, and not some disembodied spirit. So why is this important? Why does Jesus spend so much time and effort proving that his physical body is in good working order and has been raised from the dead? In every encounter Jesus has with the disciples after the resurrection, he meticulously walks step by step through the scriptures, giving the evidence that he is the one foretold by the prophets and the law. He is the Messiah who came to bring salvation to the earth. If they can't believe in the resurrection, his physical body being raised from the dead as foretold in scripture, then they will not believe he is the true Messiah. And the mission to bring salvation to the world will end with them. You are the witnesses of these things, he tells them. 
In other words, here is where the rubber meets the road and true faith begins. You must believe that I am the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ who died, was buried, and on the third day rose from the dead. According to scripture, the one who gives forgiveness of sins through repentance and eternal life through faith. You can't share a message you don't fully believe. I am not a ghost. I am the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And we know that their understanding of the prophecies, their witness to the resurrection, which was the fulfillment of those prophecies, and their belief that Jesus is the Messiah, led them to boldly go into the world, bringing a message of hope and redemption, the good news of the forgiveness of sin and salvation for all. This understanding, their witness to the truth of the resurrection has changed everything. Without physical proof that he of the resurrected Christ, Jesus in the flesh, risen from the dead, those first disciples could not have fulfilled the mission Christ gave to them. This is my body. Touch and see. Which leads to the question then, is it still important for Christians today to believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ? Did you know that there are some Christians who believe in Jesus but believe the resurrection is just a metaphor for how he lives on in spirit form within us? That his body wasn't really brought back to life? If that were so, then why would Jesus go to such lengths to prove his body was still very human, that he was still fully divine and fully human. <clears throat> like those first witnesses to the resurrection, it is important to our faith to believe in, in an embodied Christ, risen from the dead. Why? Because scripture tells us that the Savior of the world will rise on the third day, that his body will rise, not just his spirit, in the resurrection, Jesus conquers death. Having a disembodied spirit is not a resurrection, and it does not defy death. How can we believe Christ conquered death if we don't believe his physical body rose from the dead? If we don't believe he rose from the dead, how can we believe in the promise of eternal life, that Christ's death gave us freedom from sin? What would there be left to actually believe in? What would be the foundation of our faith? Jesus calls us to touch and see. So how can we touch the resurrected Christ so we too can believe that all God's promises are true, that by faith in a risen Jesus, we have eternal life? In the scene from John's Gospel, Jesus presents his hands, and his side to those who doubted. He led them to see, both physically and in their understanding, opening their eyes and minds to the truth of the resurrection. In both accounts, Jesus tells them to touch the marks of his wounds so they would believe. Here in Luke, Jesus reveals his human body, all ways to touch our risen Lord. Today, we have the body of Christ. In this pandemic world, one of the hardest things 
we've had to deal with is our inability to actually touch one another. We are told to keep our distance, keep our hands to ourselves. Yet every person, well, I mean, not everyone, I talk to really laments that we can't touch each other. When the vaccine started pouring into people, I saw families joyfully hugging and touching their mothers and fathers, grandparents, great-grandparents, children and grandchildren. It's been a lesson for me anyway, on how important it is to be able to physically reach out and touch another human being. Because I tell you, for a pastor, it's been so hard to just give virtual hugs or handshakes. The sense of touch is a God-given gift, and we've seen how important that is to our everyday life and mental health. Just as important as it is to our life together, as the body of Christ, it is important to our faith as well. When we reach out and touch our fellow believers, we're connecting with them, becoming part of one another. The same is true for Christ. When we reach out in mission to serve others in his name as the body of Christ, those around us can touch the living Christ as we witness to his body in the world. When they see us serving in his name, not only can they see Jesus, they can reach out and touch him. He lives in the hearts of his believers, in those who have witnessed by faith his resurrection. Our faith in Jesus as the Messiah, our Savior, who died, was buried, and rose from the dead, the one predicted and foretold by all the scriptures, can be seen, but also touched as we embody the risen Christ in all we say and do. If you need to see and touch the risen Christ in order to believe, then look at those sitting right next to you. Look at those serving our community in his name. Look in the mirror as you do the work God has called you to do. As you walk with Christ in your faith journey, when Christ lives in us, we are the physical, living, breathing body of Christ. Those who live and believe in him will never die, and they will have the risen Christ living within them. And maybe we can't physically touch everyone right now, but we can be touched by our brothers and sisters as we serve and worship together in his name, as we work through the challenge of this pandemic together, holding each other up in love, touch and see. Christ is not a ghost or just some disembodied spirit living in the world. He lives in you. He lives in me. And in the body of Christ, we call the church. We are called to witness to the living Christ to let others touch and see Jesus and how we live and love in his name. And by sharing the message of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life that we have in our resurrected Savior, we are witnesses of his resurrection when we provide for those in need, when we comfort those who are grieving, when we minister to the poor and those in prisons of all kinds. A touch can mean so much. Reach out and touch the risen Christ. 
and then let that risen Lord live in you. Let his body be your body, his hands and feet, your hands and feet. Touch the world in the name of our risen Christ. Amen.